Welcome back. Yes, it's time for the Non-Believer Bible Club. In the intervening time between this episode and last week's episode, there are two things which I have to address. One, last week, I asked if Zipporah came from the tribe of Levi. Moses did. Zipporah was a Midianite of the land of Midian, named after Midian, a son of Abraham. Genesis 25, verses 1 through 2. Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah, and she bare him Zimran, and Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. So, that settles that. 2. When did Moses know he was a Hebrew? This is something that has taken a lot of time to research. One reason being that nearly all of my foreknowledge on this topic and most Hollywood movies have got it completely wrong. To answer this question, I will read from the Bible. The Shemot Rabbah, a midrash on the book of Exodus, and the Antiquities of the Jews by Flavius Josephus. Now, let's start with the first person in the Bible to recognize that Moses was a Hebrew aside from his mother and sister, the Pharaoh's daughter. Exodus 2.6 And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, this can be taken to mean that it was clear that the child was hidden and logically would be a Hebrew. On the other hand, this could mean that his facial features or his skin color were undeniably Hebraic. But then this is another problem if he's going to pass as Egyptian for most of his life. So things get vague from here. Pharaoh's daughter unknowingly pays Moses' actual mother to wet nurse him. And then the young baby Moses stays with his mom for some time. Until Exodus 2.10. And the child grew. And she, Moses' mom, brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So what was told to Moses in the intervening time from breastfeeding to being brought before the Pharaoh's daughter? The next verse does not clarify this either. Exodus 2.11 And it came to pass in those days, when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. We got another time jump. Moses is now a young man. The only clue we have to his origins is the line, he went out unto his brethren. So we know that Moses is Hebrew, but does this line and his concern for the Hebrews mean that Moses knows as well? Some say yes, but it's not enough for me. Let's shimmy on over to Flavius Josephus's The Antiquities of the Jews. As one of the first scholarly Jewish historians and a veteran of their unsuccessful rebellion against Rome in 66 to 70 AD, detailed in his book, The War of the Jews, Josephus's goal was to inform a largely Roman and Greek audience about the history and honor of the Jewish people that they oppressed and derided. We owe a lot to Josephus for giving us, if not a fully accurate, depiction of ancient Jewish history 
a first-hand account of what first-century Jews believed was their history, which is, do I say more important? That's how the culture came to be developed. So delivering it to a Gentile audience is part of the reason why his documents exist today. The other half, funnily enough, is it was translated by Christians (laughs) who saw its worth in uh, depicting the world Jesus grew up in. So insights into Judaism preserved by Christianity. Fantastic. Book two, chapter nine, verse seven of the Antiquities of the Jews. Josephus relates that the Pharaoh's daughter, here named Thermuthis, Thermuthis, openly brings Moses before her father. The Pharaoh loves Moses, who's described as being very beautiful. People, people stop. They pass him in the street and they look back and they're like, beautiful. So Moses is the, as a child, is the girl from Ipanema. But Moses, upon meeting the Pharaoh, happens to be in a bad mood. It is a puerile mood. And he tramples on the Pharaoh's diadem. At this point, Pharaoh's scribe tries to kill Moses in front of everyone. And he says, again, openly, this, O king, this child is he of whom God foretold that if we kill him, we shall be in no danger. Deprive the Hebrews of the hope they have of being encouraged by him. So in this account, not only would Moses definitely know that he is Hebrew, everyone else does too. In the end, Thermuthis's love for Moses and God's providence spares Pharaoh's hand. Quote, Likely to be of greater advantage to them, they abstained from killing him. So in this case, it's Moses's promising future, the ability that he has to give them some kind of advantage to work for them that spares his hand. And it's funny because he does eventually become a general and fights a successful campaign against the Ethiopians. It's only after this that his stature rises, his fame, he's known as a Hebrew of great accomplishments. And then Moses has to flee after hearing of a plot to assassinate him. So, with all this in mind, let's turn to the professionals. Dated at around the 10th or 12th century, the Shemot Rabbah has, I think, my favorite interpretation in another take on Moses' presentation before Pharaoh. Check this shit out. Quote, Some said to kill him, and some said to burn him. And Jethro, yeah, Jethro, the fucking, the uh, priest of Midian, his daughter is Zipporah, the woman that Moses will eventually marry. So, Jethro was sitting among them and said to them, This child has no intent to take the throne. Rather, test him by bringing in a bowl a piece of gold and a coal. If he outstretches his hand towards the gold, surely he has intent to take the throne, and you should kill him. And if he outstretches his hand towards the coal, he surely does not have intent to take the throne, and he does not deserve the death penalty. They immediately brought the bowl before him, Moses, and he outstretched his hand to take the gold. (laughs) He's got his eyes on the prize. And Gabriel came and pushed Moses' hand, and he grabbed the coal. He then brought his hand along with the coal 
into his mouth and burned his tongue. And from this was made slow of speech and slow of tongue. So Moses is slow of tongue because of this injury, a punishment, you could say, for wanting to take the gold. Although choosing the coal saves his life. This also fits with Moses' nature. It is against his very nature to be the savior of the Jews. And his five excuses in the last uh, couple episodes prove as much. But God has made up his mind, and he is divinely forced to go against his nature and towards the plan of God. Fascinating. So, at least as far as the traditions of the Jews from which this story originates are concerned, my verdict is in. Moses has known he was a Jew from birth and managed to survive in Pharaoh's court due to his usefulness, due to the favor of his mother, adoptive mother, and uh, seemingly luck. Could this be why God tries to kill Moses at the end? Because Moses knew the laws of his people, and he let his son remain uncircumcised. Well, either way, this gives us, or at least me, a better picture of Moses. A man of beauty, fame, talent, but also a man dominated by doubt, a procrastinator, a man more quick to action than to thought. But this is the man God has chosen. So, joineth me as we see how this unexpected hero, at long last, brings the Pharaoh of Egypt to heal. Chapter 10 And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may shew these my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am the Lord. In other words, you'll better pay attention, some shit's about to go down. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts into thy coast and they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail. <laughs> Remember the hail? <laughs> Remember how bad that was? And shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill thy houses, man, this is getting good, and the houses of all thy servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor thy fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. Ooh. And Pharaoh's servants said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? 
And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. And he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old and with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. I think that about covers everybody. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go and your little ones. Look to it, for evil is before you. Another translation of this line is, Then Pharaoh told them, May the Lord be with you if I ever let you go with your little ones. Clearly, you are bent on evil. So he's, he's still just being a dick. Not so. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord. For that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. <sighs> and the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come up upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail hath left. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day. And all that night, and when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt, and rested in all the coasts of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before them, there were none, there were no such locusts as they. Neither after them shall be such. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened. And they did eat every herb of the land, and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. And there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, <laughs> My guy, you can't keep doing this. And, said, <clears throat> and he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God, that he may take away from me this death only. And he went out from Pharaoh, and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind, which took away the locusts, and cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coasts of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. That's not the deal, man. You know that's not the deal. And Moses said, Thou must give us 
also sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind, for thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself, see my face no more, for in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well, I will see thy face again no more. Chapter 11 And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go. Hence, when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight, about midnight, will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. So one thing, it had said that Moses left the presence of Pharaoh, but according to Ellicott's commentary for English readers, my favorite, and Moses said, in continuation of the speech recorded in Exodus 10.29, face to face with Pharaoh, Moses makes his last appeal, utters his last threats. So I guess this is just the textual version of the flashback. <laughs> they cut the scene in, at the most important point, shows them prepping, and then they go back. Ah, or maybe at the beginning of chapter 11, and the Lord said unto Moses, yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh. That was a flashback then of what God told Moses before this meeting. <laughs> Either way, um, I'm laughing, but this is actually going to get real heavy. Chapter 12. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. You know, I appreciate how they take into account extenuating circumstances. Listen, I'd love to, but my house is too small. I don't know. Combine with your neighbor. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. I know this story. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. What does pertinence mean? I don't usually come across words I don't know, and I was starting to feel like an idiot until I read this, and I definitely have not heard this term before. The pertinence refers to the liver, heart, and lungs of an animal. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I like how he says that at the end of everything. And I will execute judgment. You know who it is. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Passover. That's just something I'd never put together. Pass. That's why it's called Passover. I didn't even know what Passover was. Okay, cool. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that, sho- that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So this is really interesting. They're saying no yeast can be used in the making of this bread. Why not? So I looked this up. Leavened bread, as I said, which is bread containing yeast, is forbidden during Passover because God gave Moses instructions to avoid yeast during the first Passover in Egypt 
and remove all yeast while celebrating Passover in the future. God did not want anyone to be held back because they had to wait for their bread to rise. Unleavened bread is a symbol of the Israelites' haste when they left Egypt. So I'm interested in that this has a practical reason. They don't have enough time for the bread to rise. But also within the Bible is the creation of the tradition. So you don't usually see the beginning of a tradition start with the idea that it will become a tradition specifically. Like before the first one even happens, he's like, okay, God has officially ordered this tradition. And in the first day, there shall be an holy convocation. And in the seventh day, there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I, page turn, have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. That means evening. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eat that which is leavened, even that soul, shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land, serious about that yeast, none of it. Ye shall eat nothing leavened, in all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. Wow. One, two, three, is that four? Something like four or five verses specifically about don't eat the bread with the leaven. I think we got it. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house to smite you. Yo, who's the destroyer? <laughs> Sounds like a vibe. Just hanging me in the destroyer. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people are about to die. I'm not trying to be blasphemous. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land, which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote 
all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that, hit, that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by, the, by night, and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people, that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Wow. Via donation. <laughs> and the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children, and a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years. Just like the prophecy says. And it came to pass, at the end of the four hundred and thirty years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass, that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. But every man's servant that is bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and an hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten, that thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass the selfsame day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. Chapter 13 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came you out in the month Abib. A-B-I-B. Probably Abib. This is the first month, also corresponding to Nisan. N-I-S-A-N. Um, not the car. As God said before, the first month of their, the Jewish calendar. He gives them a specific set of laws, a specific set of traditions, and the beginning of the month. So, everything that you need to start fresh. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee, a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in the month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall thou be leavened seen with thee in all thy quarters, and thou shalt shew thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. And it shall be, when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he sware unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, all that openeth the matrix and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. I want to know what <laughs> what ancient Hebrews thought of the, the matrix was. Okay, this is good. This is just another KJV peculiarity. Matrix is a translation of the Hebrew word reshem, meaning womb. The English word matrix comes from the Latin word matrix, meaning womb, coming from mater, meaning mother. So in an alternate translation, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. But if you choose the red pill, I show you how deep the circumcision goes. <gasps> and every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not, wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. Now at this time, the Hebrews did not have any horses or camels. The only beasts of burden were donkeys. So, every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. God is cool with a lamb instead. But if they 
will not redeem it. They don't want to make any sacrifices. They will have to break the neck of the donkey. God needs a sacrifice. Now back to my favorite Bible reference, Ellicott's Commentary for English Readers. All the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. This was declared in anticipation of the arrangement afterwards to be made, whereby the tribe of Levi was taken in lieu of the firstborn for the services of the sanctuary in numbers, and an obligation was imposed on Israelites of other tribes to quote-unquote redeem their sons by a payment of five shekels for each to the priests. Great! Can't wait to get to that. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem, and it shall be for a token upon thine hand, and for frontlets between thine eyes, frontlets being a decorative band or ornament worn on the forehead. So, referring to the forehead. So that is to say, this ceremony will be like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. For, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, finally, that God led them, not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about, through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Mm. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. This is his last words in Genesis. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And here we will end our reading for today. So, in me doing my best to try to see this as one continuous story, this is just the further development of, I guess, the perfect society in Yahweh's eyes. We spent basically all of Genesis getting to the point where we could have a specific people. So now we have the children of Israel. We have the people who will start this society. And now we're getting into what I've been uh, warned about by other people. We get into the boring laws. Maybe they're a little boring, but I think they're really interesting. What they decide is the most important thing to carry. Now that we have the perfect society, how are they supposed to act? 
God isn't just very specific about how he wants them to act, but the traditions that they're going to carry forth from the minutia of leavened bread to, I guess, repaying the sacrifices of the firstborn. Interesting because I was, I was sure that that affliction was sort of the Egyptian recompense for what they did to the Jews at the beginning of Exodus. But now that's being carried forward just because the scales have been equaled, so to speak, doesn't mean that they can forget it. I suppose this shows the weight of life. It's not something that you can easily forget or easily repay. In other words, God does not kill lightly. Now, I would let you go, but something very important has happened, or, in other words, has been fulfilled in this reading. If we go back to Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge many, many times. (laughs) And afterward shall they come out with great substance, the silver and gold. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. The smoking furnace of Egypt and the burning lamp, a light to lead the way. We see is a pillar of fire. We've reached the edge of the plot. I don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what's going to happen next. Well, we know some of what's going to happen next. But for now, take care, my creeping things. Thank you for listening to the Non-Believer Bible Club. We'll see you next week. Adios. Adios.